Show. Hi, this is Rachel. And this is Natalie. And we are the Insta Mamas. We are sisters with a podcast and we talk about everything from faith, healthy, clean living, adoption, foster care, motherhood, and everything in between. Thanks for listening. Hey, you guys. So we are talking about our embarrassing teen years today. Yeah. What would you say to your former 16 years old self if you could go back and tell them something? Which is funny because I told my husband that earlier and he said, I don't think they'd listen to me. <laughs> Which is like probably the truest statement. <laughs> like literally I could like, especially me as a 16 year old, <laughs> I could travel in time, go to 16 year old Natalie and be like, you need to do this. And she'd be like, whatever, I know best. So exactly. I. It's funny because... This is like so near and dear to our hearts because how many of you guys have children that are going through adolescence and like they don't want to listen to anything you have to say? Mm-hmm. Well, and here's the thing. We talk a lot about younger children and one of these days we're going to have to get a teenage mom on the podcast. That we've got a few. Children. I mean like, yeah, we've had a few, well at least one who's talked about um homeschooling and, and her kids well, are yeah. adolescents. So but yeah, we're we're in the season of young children. And so that's just kind of what we focus on a lot. But Natalie has a background in teaching. She taught high school, so she spent years with that age group. Mm-hmm. And then I fostered teens when I was a foster parent. There was a couple teenagers that I had in my home. Um, now to caveat that, is that what you always say, Nellie? Now to caveat. No, we have to have a caveat in every episode. (laughs) Just to caveat that, (laughs) is that even the right way to say it? Caveat? Caveat? Just feel French. Yeah. um, To caveat caveat that, uh... (laughs) Okay, that's not French, so it's like... What okay. the heck? So, anyways, <laughs> that was a just an insight into sixteen-year-old Rachel there. If you were wondering, um, the thing too is, I wish I could go back and re-raise those teens because I feel like I made a lot of mistakes because I just didn't know and I did not realize the kind of pressures that our teens are facing today. Yeah, even like it's not like we were teenagers that long ago. Okay, I mean, gosh, eight, what was it, 12 years ago, we were eight, I was 18. Yeah. So, I mean, it is getting further. Some of you guys <laughs> have a 12-year-old and you're like, calm down, you know? <laughs> so, but even back then, I feel like social media was newer. There was, there was definitely like, there's always been pressures on teens mm-hmm. because, you know, you go through, it's like you're learning who the heck you are and there's so much like you just don't feel comfortable in your body and especially like we're going to talk from a, like a girl's point of view a lot today but like it's just hard to be a teen. I think some of the best advice I got about middle school was like you're going to survive this. Like the the goal of middle school is not to like you know do all these amazing things while you're there. It's like to get through it. And I I kind of liked that advice back then, but now that I'm saying it as a much older person, I'm like Gosh, I wish someone would have been like, these are really great years. Mm-hmm. And there, I was telling a, one of the a girl I kind of mentored as a teenager, and I said, one of the coolest things about being a teenager is, like, you are compared to everyone 18 and under right now. So if you're an artist, a musician, like, a scientist, or whatever you're interested in, you build robots, you whatever, you're being compared to everyone who's under 18. So you could be kind of a crappy artist and people are like, you're really good because you're 16. 
But the second you turn 18, it's like, now you're compared to a guy who's been doing it for 45 years. And that's a good perspective. And I was like, so just enjoy this time where you can not be an expert and you can be good and people can celebrate you being good. Well, and I think you can make mistakes and you can learn from them and come back from them. And they're not mistakes that are going to be life altering as when you're an adult, some mistakes you make are life altering because you're held to an adult standard. Yeah. And also even, I would even, I don't know, even argue with that. I do think there's always consequences. Oh yeah. But I do feel like you can pretty much, I'm learning the older I get, that you can overcome pretty much with the help of the Lord so much. Oh, yeah. You get yourself into a bunch of debt. It seems like you'll never get better. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't know. That's kind of our first point. Yeah. Good life does get better. And, yeah, it does. Because there are some mistakes that we made as teenagers that maybe follow us into our adult life. But it's not, like, a death sentence. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't... It's a lot forever. It's a lot less of a big deal than we thought it was back then. Well, I mean, when I was sixteen, I stole a road sign just because I thought it was funny. And she went to jail for fourteen years. No, but I'm just kidding. She didn't get in trouble at all. When I brought it home, though, I put it in my room because I thought it was so cool that I had this road sign. And my mom was like, "That's stealing." I was like, "No, it's not. It was on the side of the road." And she's like, "Rachel, that's stealing." And so my dad has a pastor. How do I put this road sign in his car and put it back? And like, it's like, good thing you didn't get pulled over. It's like, what if I get pulled over by the local police and they're like, hey, Pastor Dave, and oh, you're the one who stole our <laughs> road work ahead sign. Well, I guess I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. I do love our first point, and we're going to talk more on it. It's the, like, basically we said school gets better, life gets better, but we wanted to, like, give you guys an insight into who Natalie and Rachel were at age 16, and we're going to tell lots of stories today, but... I, oh, it's hard because people who know me, um, know me as kind of a gentler person than I used to be. I'm still loud and vivacious and all these things. Mm -hmm. But when Rachel came to live here over a year ago, she started telling people stories of my past. I was like, hey, I got some cred here. Like, (laughs) these people here don't know the college Natalie. They don't know the high school Natalie. They just know the mature, you know, adult Natalie. And, uh, but yeah, 16 year old Natalie, like. Arrived Natalie. Oh, yeah. If. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the the Facebook <laughs> Natalie, but um but 16-year-old Natalie was uh loud and um very into like every political argument and like very bold. She would do hunger strikes. Yeah, like okay, if you can call skipping lunch a hunger strike, <laughs> like I didn't not eat anything. <laughs> But, yeah, I was really into, like, oh, this is wrong. And I had a really big sense of justice. Like, if something was wrong, like, in our school constitution, I think I had it changed, like, three times while I was in, you know, our high school constitution. Like, literally, I always had a petition. I always was, like, um, doing some kind of, like, soapbox, um, you know, preaching in the hallways of the school. Oh, yeah, she was very zealous for her faith. Faith. And on her MySpace account... Like, you used to have a little Don't quote on your it's MySpace so account, which, if anybody listening even remembers MySpace, and her said, I like my water like I like my men. Pure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you even came up with that quote. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if somebody else took it. You originally Maybe that's came up with it. Guys were terrified of me in high school, <laughs> I think. I did not tolerate being treated poorly by men, even back then. Yeah, if 
there were times where... And men, I don't... They're not men. They're boys. They're boys. Sorry. There were times when not boys sorry. were inappropriate to you at school, and you were able to call them out, and... But that's probably really good for those boys at that age to learn that. Well, and also, don't you age. feel like back then... I know it wasn't that long ago, but don't you feel like it was a lot more socially acceptable? Mm-hmm. I feel like girls now... One of the positive things about social media, maybe one of the negative ones, there's lots of negative, but one of the positive is it kind of shows people like, oh, that behavior is not okay. Like, mm-hmm. a lot of girls are like, I don't like being treated like this, and then they share this thread. They're like, I didn't know how to verbalize why I didn't feel okay about this, but someone on the internet did, and mm-hmm. they shared it a bunch. You know, back then, it was just like, I knew in my heart I did not like being treated that way, and so I very, in a not good way, usually, it was yelling, probably. <laughs> well, one thing I remember was so cool and significant it. is this kid would love to debate with you at school about your faith. Like, love to. And then one day, you just told him, you're like, um, are you just wanting to argue with me, or are you seeking the Lord? Because I do not have time to argue with you. I and, but I was just like, oh, that's cool, because, yeah, even the Bible says not to argue with people, like, unless they are truly seeking answers but somebody who wants to argue just to argue and I think that was so cool at such a young age you were so sure of yourself now there's the other parts were you like any other 16 year old girl who struggled with body issues who struggled Mm -hmm. with self esteem who you know you just wrote a little blog on our thing about hair how you would spend hours straightening your hair doing your makeup you know and why because I wanted to look a certain way I mean I was like any other 16-year-old girl. And here's the thing, too. Even though I was a Christian and knew about my faith, it wasn't my justice and fever and fire was not tempered with, like, love and compassion. And that's where I think Rachel was the, like, compassion and softness to my hardness. And the Lord had to spend lots of years. So, like, tempering that that hardness and I was angry and fiery kind of like I remind myself like Peter from the Bible you know how he's always like very zealous but doing idiotic stuff and he's cutting somebody's ear off it's like ah whoops like oh sorry Jesus should not have done that but Rachel on the other end was like would literally give you the shirt off her back she oh tell them a little bit about yourself 16 year old Rachel what was she like I mean I was I guess, I don't know. I, it's so funny because you're like, remember your 16-year-old self. And I was just kind of somebody who was just there. Like, people knew Natalie. People, she was president of our school. Um, I was always loud. People knew who I was. I was very weird. Like, I'd walk through the hallway singing to myself. and. I was but that's a the bit... thing, that we were different. And Rachel especially, like, we were who we were. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of 16-year-olds are, like, very much trying to be like everyone else. I don't think, like, Rachel ever cared what people... I mean, she did, but she didn't. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because, I mean, I got bullied a lot in middle school, and so it was interesting because the summer before... (laughs) The summer before um, high school, I had lost some weight, and then I went into high school, and all of a sudden, I was being noticed by a boy. I wouldn't say boy is a boy. It's, like, my... We talk about him in one of our podcasts about... He changed your life and dumped you on... Our one-year anniversary. On Valentine's Day. (laughs) Okay, back then, that was, like, emotional stuff. And we were all very mad on your behalf. (laughs) But, yeah, I was just... But always so caring, like... 
things would bother me so much. Like, I couldn't stand to see other people suffer. Like, I can't watch violent movies even to this day. And where Natalie said she had the temper that I had a temper, I guess, how would you say, like, the mercy part of it, I had to temper that with boundaries. Hmm. Because then I would just, like, why am I friends with all these people that, like, you know what I mean? Like, I, over the years, I had to put boundaries up in place. And it, it took till my 30s. Because everybody, do that. everything hurts you. Yeah. Like, I literally remember one of our friends, if they wanted to make you cry, they'd be, they'd be like, there's starving kids in Africa. Yeah. And, and it would literally make you cry. Just thinking about those kids. And I'm like, how did I be a foster parent and hear all that stuff? But like, you had to toughen up when you became a foster parent, yeah. didn't you? And I was so sensitive. I remember one time when we were in the car, and it was another time I was talking. I don't know if I was talking about Oregon Trail this time. Oh but Natalie gosh. literally just said... We don't want to hear what you're talking about. We're just going to listen to music. And then Beck is like, oh. you made her cry again. Like, which was Like, it? she even knew you were going to cry before you started. <laughs> which was She's like, oh, you done it. <laughs> which was not hard to do. Like, everything made me cry. So I literally had to toughen up a little bit. Like, especially I worked at a group home with boys that had, like, severe behavioral problems. And they would call me, like, every name in the book. And I remember, like, seriously, like, curse words and everything and one called me rude one time and I just started crying it's like wow because when I was a teacher I got called way worse than rude <laughs> but that's that's the thing I love about teenagers is like they are who they are and mm-hmm. I think what when I was working with them as a high school teacher I think what other adults did to them and what people did to us too when we were teenagers was they you look like an adult in so many ways. Like, obviously, I look at teenagers now, and I'm like, y'all are babies, and you dress super weird. Yeah. Um, but then I look at me as a high schooler. We'll find, we'll dig up some pictures, people. Oh. We'll put them on the, the gram. Natalie had these pants that got a hole in them, which was popular. There's these pants that came out called, like, patch pants, and they had different patches on them. You're talking like them. we're, like, 150 years. Uh, back in the day, back right? Back in the day when we had patch pants. But a lady in our church gave Natalie a box of fabric, and she just kept adding more random patches there to was the like, same pair of pants. There was, like, more patches than, like, jean at one point. And they were ugly. I didn't do it in a, a good way. No, it wasn't, like, cute. It was just, like, why are you wearing, like, a bunch of random fabrics badly sewn on a pair of jeans? What? Just because I didn't have a sewing machine, and I didn't know how to sew? Because I missed that day in home ec? But okay, one time we were at uh, in high school and we were at summer camp and Rachel ran into my cabin and she's like, I need to borrow some of your clothes. And I was like, oh yeah, that's cool, fine. She's like, I need to be an ugly person for a skit. <laughs> I was like, girl, you could not borrow my clothes if it's to be an <laughs> ugly person, first of all. But I guess that is true. I did not steal your clothes in high school. It wasn't until college that I really stole your well, clothes. Well, I didn't... If you dress ugly enough, people won't steal your clothes. That's I guess, but I don't know. I had my weird style, but um, but with teenagers, I just I feel bad for them because people expect them to be these like logical thinking adults, and like literally parts of their brains haven't developed yet. Yeah, the frontal lobe, your thinking part of your brain that makes you not be impulsive. And I know like a lot of people who hate Romeo and Juliet is honestly because they have not actually studied it. But, like, one of the things I went over with my students when I read Romeo and Juliet is I said, these are not real people. Yeah, well, (laughs) but literature can teach us about humanity, Rachel. (laughs) Art imitates life. 
okay? And life imitates art. And don't choke on your water. And water is the essence. (laughs) (laughs) That's another thing. You watch movies you watched when you were a teenager, and you're like, why did I think that was funny? Anyways. That is true. But in Romeo and Juliet, they're a 14-year-old, and I think they're like 13 and 16 or 13 and 17 or something. They're... They're children, and mm-hmm. and they're expected to make life and death decisions. They have to decide, are we going to serve God? Are we going to serve our families? Are we going to serve mm-hmm. our love for one another? Are we going to serve, like, our physical hormones? And they're, they're being literally torn apart by all four of these things that are pulling them in different directions. And then we, well, spoiler alert, if you haven't read Romeo and Juliet, you've had 400 years to do it. So I'm going to tell you the ending. They kill themselves. And um, when I taught it to my students, everyone's like, oh, it's this beautiful love story. But it's not. It's a story about young people who were torn apart by the adults that were supposed to be there to support them. Mm. And then this, the, the end of the, the play is, um, like, basically, woe to both your houses. You both did this. The, the, it's both of the family's faults. And they finally start getting along but it takes the death of both of their children to do that and i mean it's a it's a play and it's drama and everything but it leads us kind of into our first point that life gets better after teenagehood and our hearts are just broken thinking about how isolated teenagers are because our teenagehood was so much about being together Mm -hmm. and having friends over all the time and we had youth group and we had so many positive there were negative friendship type things that we had to deal with and learn because that's part of being yeah you make mistakes you learn from them you know and um i mean as moms of teenagers that are listening and when i was a teenager teacher (laughs) not a teenager teacher but you know a high school teacher is like realizing that they are children Mm -hmm. they're children with like adult some adult responsibilities too yeah like i do think it's important for them to have jobs and responsibility but I think the saddest thing, too, is I didn't realize until I had teenagers is we're facing the same pressures that we faced when we were teenagers. The self-esteem, the boys, the hormones, the lust. The you're, you're facing all of that because you're becoming an adult. And it's like, wouldn't that be nice if the hormones like just were shut off until you're walking down the aisle and then you're like, okay, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, but your hormones start. And those teenage years and those emotions and um and they're so big they're so big and they feel them so deeply which is why young people start revolutions because they're so passionate and they're not tired and they have the energy yeah because and they do feel passionate about it when you tell them about injustice they are passionate about it and they're ready to like protest and go to the street you know what i mean and so that's the beautiful thing about teenagers and I think we learn like sometimes we think like oh we can only have our will in God's life or our purpose that God has for us in certain stages oh when I become a mom that's going to be my purpose oh now I'm 80 years old so I've lived my life so God no longer has a purpose for me but no Moses was in his 80s when God called him to go set his people free you know it doesn't matter what stage in your life God has a specific purpose and I think sometimes teenagers are kind of overlooked. Like, okay, well, they're just teenagers. They'll they're be idiots. They I hate know. it when people say that about teenagers. Well, and here's the thing, Natalie, is before I foster teens, I would say that to our youth pastor all the time. Like, 
teenagers are so dumb. Like they are so dumb. Like they're eating Tide Pods and all this. Like why are they so dumb? And you know, but let's not think about the dumb stuff we did. When I we know. were teenagers. We would like spray body spray on our socks and then light them on fire while wearing them. Yeah, it was what did we call it? Sock fire? Because it would like go out really fast. Mm-hmm. But it's like you could burn the house down or catch fire you for real. You sound like such a mom when you say that. You could burn the house down. <laughs> Uh-huh. And it was so dumb. We just yeah. didn't have the internet to like, record yeah, I all guess the dumb stuff we did. That's true. We did record ourselves on our dad's like camcorder. Like making a really... <laughs> this is before you could download it. Well, you YouTube existed, but to watch a four-minute video, it took like two hours to load it. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but like we had these dumb, like, you know, silly, fun, like videos we'd made, but we didn't post them to Facebook the second after we made them. Thank God the lord yeah that the, the lord. technology didn't exist yeah. to do that and so yeah it's just crazy but we even in our previous podcast when i when you were in the back of the pickup truck and i thought it'd be fun to peel out and you literally fell out of the back of the truck and i'm like don't tell mom and dad like those are just things that teenagers do because they're impulsive and it's not like we can make excuses like oh teenagers can do whatever they want because their frontal lobe isn't developed all the way yet but I think there's that sense. And like I said, I used to think teenagers were not something I ever would want to deal with until I became a foster mom and had teenagers and was so, so, so humbled. Mm-hmm. But what I didn't realize is not only is there pressure from that the regular pressure that we had, but now you have the social media aspect of it and the layers of danger just even like we talked about the filters Mm -hmm. the filters of girls looking at themselves through a filter and if you are listening and you don't know what a filter is it's um how would you explain it even it's augmented reality that's the actual name of the technology okay so augmented reality is it's this technology where it can take a real life image and fake things over it. So there are people on, like, and they can do it live in videos, mm-hmm. which, and it doesn't even take, like, you don't have to have some special degree to do it. You can, like, download. It's literally an app. Like, the apps, all the apps that the kids are using nowadays, mm-hmm. which apparently Facebook is for old people. That's what my yeah. students are like. Nobody has a Facebook anymore. I'm like, Just old moms sharing their kid videos. And- I have a Facebook, and so I... The sad thing is, is so when I had teenagers, when you went through a breakup with somebody, uh, it's all on Snapchat, and people are Snapchatting stuff. And, and making fun are of making you. screenshots of a text that you sent your best friend, and then putting it all over on Snapchat. A boy um, used a girl, and then put it all over on Snapchat. Hey, I got what I wanted out of her. And now all of a sudden, there's that shaming to the girl, and the guy is praised. And it's just like, whoa. So not that that stuff didn't happen when we were 16, but now there's a whole nother layer that you add social media. And that poor girl, like, will never be able to delete that from the internet. It's always out there. Mm-hmm. And she didn't have any power over it. I remember when I was teaching the whole, I don't know, I don't want to say too much, but basically one of the, the sports teams, they all had, like, Facebook pages, and they could, like, say when games were and parents could be on it. But they were making, um, they would make like special groups and exclude one or two people from the team and then talk badly about that one person behind their back. Oh, yeah. When we were in high school, this guy and girl broke up and the guy made an I hate so-and-so club. 
like with her name in it and added all these people on there and people just sat there and said these horrible mean things and here's the thing she had to she probably sat through and read every comment and took every comment to heart so that's like the demonic part i think of social media and it's hard because it goes all the way down even in the elementary school we had to get our it guy because there was a social media thing we were using for it was like a specific one for teaching and learning and the kids made one and made it to look like their teacher made it and then added a bunch of kids in the class and then were cyber bullying each other these kids were in fourth grade oh my goodness and so they had to shut down the whole site and it was like a positive site that they that the teacher she had made her own one and she added the kids and she controlled it but the kids in fourth grade they don't know oh it says miss whatever's class so i'm going to join it and then the teacher wasn't even in it. She had no idea what was happening to these kids. Oh, yeah. And so it's like, it's, and this is what was so scary. I'll link it in the show notes, um, but there's this parenting book. It's like basically how to parent in this, like, technological age. And it was really, really good parenting class we went through. And because the Bible doesn't change. It's the, say, the same whether mm-hmm. you have social media or not. But um, that's why I feel like this theme of it gets better. Because when you're in high school, you feel like it'll never get better. Mm. You feel like this breakup will never feel better. mm. You feel like you'll never be skinny enough. You'll never be happy. No one will ever love you the way you are. Mm. You know, I'll never get the grades I want. It just, it feels so defeatist all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And disappointment. Well, even, we liked high school, you know. Mm -hmm. But there's some people out there that high school is absolutely miserable. Yeah, and um, I. It's funny how the Lord brings people into my life. I ran into these two little girls at the park a couple days ago. Well, I could say little. One was her little sister, but the girl was a teenager, and she was talking about how she just gets bullied all the time, and how she wishes that she wasn't overweight, and that she tries to come and exercise. But here you have, but her parents are never home. Like mom left the picture, you know, and so I don't want to say too much either about this random person, but it just broke my heart because I was just thinking, it will get better, you know, and she brought up the topic of suicide to me, and I'm just like, it won't always be like this. I said, you will have high highs and low lows, but it is worth it to walk through that valley of the shadow of death so you can sit at the banquet. That God has prepared for you. And here's the thing that I think a lot of teenagers don't know. And this is something, as a Christian teenager, I was a Christian. I really was. I did not know a lot of these things. Like, I didn't know I could call upon the power of the Holy Spirit to be with me in those darkest days. But it mm-hmm. says, that same scripture says, um, yea, you know, I'm saying the old version. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Mm-hmm. And... Like, that is the difference between having the Holy Spirit with you and not. Is like, you're going through that valley of, of death. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have the Holy Spirit, it's fear. It's scary. Yeah. It is really scary. And Satan is so good at saying, it'll be better if you end it. There's even yeah. television shows that glorify suicide. Well, that show that came out, 13 Reasons Why, a lot of people are like, oh, this is a good show for teenagers to watch. But no, like, psychologists came out afterwards saying, don't let your teenagers watch this. It's on Netflix. Read up on it. It's horrible. Don't let your teenagers watch this. And it's pretty much a girl in high school who commits suicide, and then she kind of becomes 
this celebrity. So when you're watching it from a suicidal teen perspective, it almost seems like, oh, see, if I end it, then everybody will love me and everybody. It's like, but honey, or you're not around to see that. Like once yeah. you're dead, you're dead. And I think that impulsive part of teenagers don't always think that way. Like once when it's you're, done, it's done. And when you're in pain, you don't feel like you can ever feel less than mm. the pain you're feeling right yeah. now. And it's in the middle of the night. There's I noticed this so much. My my students didn't sleep. They they were they were staying up, not even doing bad things on the internet. They would like watch stupid YouTube videos till three in the morning, and then they come and. But just even the like, the incessant always having noise in the background, always having music. They'd be like, "Why can't I have an AirPod in an ear while you're teaching?" And I said, "You know, because you have to be present for your life." Mm-hmm. You know, and he's like, the music doesn't even distract me. I always have music on. And it's like, do you know what, like, not sound sounds like? Well, and you think about the Bible talks about the still, quiet voice of the Lord. How are you ever supposed to hear the Lord if you have, if you don't have that? And yeah, and I mean, they are always keeping it noisy so they don't have to feel the pain, but it always comes up eventually. Mm-hmm. You can, like, keep it down and keep it down and keep it down. I think there was, like, a radio station that said they get the most calls for help at, like, 3 in the morning. Mm -hmm. And that's very real, that it's in the dead of the night, I think, sometimes where Satan tries to attack. But guess who's there, too, in the dead of the night? Mm -hmm. The Lord. And he will be with you, and he will make things. And this pain's still going to be there, but you can find deliverance through it and learn. I know we say, like, it will get better, but I think... If you look to the Lord for your joy and your strength and you don't look to worldly things like social media and reels. And I even noticed myself, these Instagram reels, I think they're fun to make and you can look on a page and you can watch them. But I noticed I was getting in the habit of just watching reel after reel after reel. And then all of a sudden an hour went by and none of them were uplifting or edifying. They probably had music I shouldn't be listening to anymore, you know. And it just was like, whoa. And you think about how many times do you walk down the street and you see teenagers, and they are all glued to their phone. I mean, there's a syndrome out now that chiropractors face because kids are always looking down at their phone. So it's changing the structure of their neck and back. We even think, like, there's a psychological thing about, like, before you go on an interview, you lift your chin up and you put your back straight, mm-hmm. and there's, like, something that happens in your body when you look up. There's also something that happens in your body when you're looking down all the time. But what was the statistic you found about yeah. teenagers, which well, is so sad? So sad. And we know, like, lots of studies have said that suicide in teenagers went up in 2020 because they're isolated even more not able like teenagers need to have relationships whether they're a one-on-one person or a kid who likes to be around a lot of people but the rate of suicide among those age 10 to 24 increased nearly 60 percent between 2000 and 2018 according to a report released by the center for disease control and prevention So that was even before 2020, and there's a lot of things that are happening during the pandemic and shutdowns. Kids are not going to school. They're not being checked on. There are so many kids that, like, we don't even know where they are. They literally haven't checked in for school yet this year. How many did you say the other day? Like, it was over a million. It's like, there's just so many kids that, I'd have to look up the statistic, but... have fallen through the cracks this last year. And they're probably, like, moved districts. There's probably some that are, there's, like reasons why but there's a reason why we and this country have chosen to have schools 
and truancy laws, and it's against the law to not send your child to school. But when the government says, well, it's, you can't send your child to school, those kids that were on the margin, the kids where school was the only safe place for them, mm. that was gone. Well, domestic violence this last year went up by 40%. And our sister who's a police officer says she gets more domestic violence calls. She says there's more crime. She says people are desperate. Like, they need... God made us to be in community, and so... And teenagers are no different. And I think in some ways, like, depression makes you want to not be around people. And how many kids say, I have depression, I have anxiety. They're all claiming these, like, these sad things over their life, and it's like... Well, and social media has made it almost empowering to I, say, yeah. I struggle with anxiety and depression. Like, yeah, it's good if your teen is struggling with that to get them help and bring light to that, but it has almost become like a badge of honor. Mm-hmm. Like, I struggle with depression. I struggle with anxiety. And they're looking to social media to fill that and, like, have those comments, have those people say, oh, you know, virtual hug, I'm sorry you're feeling it, because that all feeds into your dopamine. But that dopamine lasts like a minute and then it's gone. Like a drug. And yeah. you're sadder than before. What so I used to constantly scrolling yeah. to try to fill that, you know. And they the social media companies don't care about your child's well being. They care about money. And so they're gonna do their best, even if it hurts your kid. It's the same with the fast food industry. They don't want anybody to be healthy. They want you to like be addicted to their stuff. It's so funny. When we were talking about how like what would you say to your sixteen year old self and you said, uh they wouldn't listen. Like, my 16-year-old is so funny because she had a really hard time sleeping at night, but she drank these Red Bulls all throughout the day. So I stopped, like, okay, we got to stop drinking them so much. Let's stop drinking them at a certain hour, you know? Like, she was older, like, on her own, like, you know. But then it's so funny because she'd just argue and argue and be like, that's not why I can't sleep. And be like, yeah, let's look at the caffeine. And there are teenagers that have died from drinking too many, like, energy drinks in a 24-hour period. It literally speeds up your heart. It's so bad. And and that's why it's, like, so hard with kids. They just don't listen. (laughs) But that's why I think they need more than their mom speaking into them. They need other trusted adults that are healthy people. That were, like... My mom knows nothing. My mom doesn't understand me. And then you're in college and you're like, Mom, help me pay the rent. And all of a sudden she's the best person ever. Or Mom, I have a weird mole on my back. Can you FaceTime me and look at it? <laughs> you're like, your mom's like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I, yeah. I Is this wish, normal? <laughs> I know. I feel like I'm like looking in a mirror. And even, you know, I like, thank the Lord, never struggled with specifically suicide. I always knew and that was part of being a Christian was no, I knew that I was made for a purpose. I believed, and I'm a like naturally pessimistic, I'm a naturally optimistic person, sorry. And, and so I just, ne- I knew that that was never the issue, but I did seriously have some low times in, and some really like, I guess you would, I didn't call it that back then because we didn't, but probably periods of depression Mm-hmm. And, you know, where I would come home from school and sleep from like four o'clock till eight o'clock. And then I'd wake up and eat dinner and then go back to sleep. And I realize now I'm like, oh, yeah, that was depression. <laughs> you know, yeah. I wasn't crying all the time. I wasn't walking around sad. And my life wasn't bad. I had loving parents. I had a fun. A lot of friends. A lot of friends. I had a good life, but there were things that were missing. And because we live in a fallen, sinful world. And so whether you're 16 or 66, I'm like, don't say 666. 
here's a weird thing, you guys. I turned 16 on 6-6-2006. Dun, dun, dun. Anyways, now y'all know my birthday. <laughs> like, and how old you are. If you don't you so me tell me you. happy birthday on my birthday, I'm going to be really upset now. But anyways, um, I, I realized that, like, everyone goes through periods of depression, but, like, the Lord can deliver us. And I wish I could just tell that person, like, it gets better. Like Natalie, 16-year-old Natalie, who struggled with X, Y, and Z, as confident as I was in my ugly pants, I also... (laughs) Don't laugh at me. I also, like, hated a lot of things about my body. Mm. Things that I love now. Like, I mean, even, like, the color of my hair and the size of my hair, how frizzy it is. Like, and then there's girls that are like, oh, my gosh, I love the volume of your hair. And I'm like, girl... If, well, I had to straighten my hair every day. Like that super flat, straight look against your head. Yeah, I could never even achieve that fully because even with the 400-degree straightener, you know, and, and it was like, but um, I wish I could just tell her, like, it gets better. Like, you, God has a plan for your life. And, like, if you fight through this and you ask the Lord to help you, and get help. Like, that's the other thing. It's like Satan's really good at telling you, you don't need help. Do this by yourself. Hide. Mm-hmm. He he likes to keep things in the dark. That's kind of how you know it's him, is if everything's hidden, it's Satan. Mm-hmm. But if things are out in the open and happy and, like, bright, those are the things of the Lord. You know, and you can be going through a season of depression and still have joy. Like, mm-hmm. that's what I'm learning about with the death in the family is, like, God is so merciful it's so good and that you can find goodness in the everyday even when it feels like that point where it's like I just don't even want to be here anymore like what's the point it would be better if I was gone but that's never the case that's just the lie of the enemy and then another huge role is the eating issues Mm -hmm. and I personally still struggle with eating issues it is something that I really really struggle with and I have such a bad relationship with food that I'm healing like I will I find small victories today we our school ordered a bunch of pizza from everyone for everyone and I brought like my steamed veggies and all that and I wasn't depriving myself I didn't feel deprived because I know some people are like oh these super strict restrictions that's why you don't have food for them but I just chose I'm not gonna like the way I feel if I eat this and there's that social pressure around it when everybody's eating the same thing and you're like, here's my rolled up ham and my steamed broccoli. And it's like no one, even like how you feed your kid, like no one, I think I was listening to a podcast, no one judges you when like your kid's eating a Pop-Tart for lunch. But like if your kid eats rolled up ham with cream cheese and cucumber slices, like you're a bad parent. Yeah, they're like, oh, that's too much fat. <laughs> but, but, yeah, but. Yeah, so I, I count that as small victories. But one thing, when I was in high school, I was always overweight. But then I'd do, like, these 1,200-calorie diets and start tracking everything I ate in a journal. And then I'd do, like, an hour of Tybo when I'd get home. And I'd be like, why am I still not skinny? Because I only wanted to be skinny. And that comes to our next point. I wish I would have told... My 16, I wish my 16-year-old self could hear that looks are less important than health. Because, like, we were so obsessed with getting a certain look, we did very unhealthy things. Mm-hmm. 
So, like, yeah, the really restrictive dieting, the, like, binge eating, the, like... And then, I don't know if you ever struggled, but I struggled with bulimia mm. when I was in high school, which Not is, like, either. the worst thing ever. Like, why would you want to do that to yourself? Well, but, and this is sad. One in four, when we were in high school, so it's probably worse now, but when we were in high school, one in four girls struggle with uh, some kind of eating disorder. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, that was the reality. It was almost kind of weirdly normal but it was very shameful too like a lot of shame was cloaked in it but it never made me skinnier and so that would make me so angry and I remember saying it to one of my friends I was like yeah sometimes I do this and they were like oh well you're not skinny like that perpetuating like oh well if you should instead of being like wow you shouldn't really you shouldn't do that that's like dishonoring towards your body and that's going to create long-term... Or even saying, I love you. I wish you didn't hurt yourself like that. Mm-hmm. Instead of being like, it's not even working. Yeah. <laughs> well, and we had good friends, but sometimes I think teenagers, you joke, and you you like to joke, but um, the teacher that I always works with tells me, tells the kids, there's jokes, and then there's taking it too far, and in your life, you're going to need to learn to balance that. And, like, my friends would always say stuff, like, if they were done with their lunches, like, oh, give the rest to Rachel because she'll eat it, you know. Or call me a garbage disposal or, oh, she'll eat anything, you know. And then you kind of take that identity on in your mm-hmm. friend group. Well, I would do a weird thing where, like, I wouldn't eat around people. And then at, like, 8 o'clock at night, I'd eat, like, a whole day's worth of food. Mm. You know, and another thing with the exercising to, like, till the point of killing yourself, like... You, people would be like, I don't understand. You're so athletic. You, you well, I don't know if athletic's the right word. <laughs> For him, no offense, Rachel. You're a beautiful, wonderful person, but you are not. Sometimes I'm afraid to play tennis with you. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I'm not athletic, but I like to be active. But yeah, Rachel can like hike eight miles, like, <laughs> you know, and so people are like, I don't understand. You exercise so much. But for, and the thing that sucked too is our friend group, everyone was thin yeah. without trying. Not even like, they ate horrible. So skinny. Yeah, they were very thin, and they ate horribly. We did not really eat any differently than they did. Mm-hmm. But we always struggled with our weight because of our genetics and and also, like, just some people carry it differently. Now we're all in our 30s, and some of us are catching up to the overweight train. <laughs> Thank you, Facebook. <laughs> I don't need the 10-year anniversary <laughs> to see who got but fat. Also, but also, like, then they'd come out with things like, then all of a sudden the chips, like the sun chips, the 100 calorie packs, 100 calorie packs of goldfish, that became the biggest thing. The little the low calories. fat was really popular. 100 when calorie we were in high packs school. and the fat free stuff. And I remember even a friend in high school saying that, like, you always eat fat free stuff, but you're still fat. Like, and as a teenager, they didn't think that was a rude thing to say. If my teenager ever said that to another teenager, I'd be like, that's really hurtful and rude, and that will stick with them the rest of their life. But you realize now, too, like, even, you know, I mentioned something on one of the moms groups, I mean, they're, they're teenagers struggling with ADHD, and I was like, have you thought about diet? And they were like, you know, there was kind of a lot of backlash about that. They're like, what am I supposed to start with my child? And it's like... Oh, yeah, the one comment that's like... But I, I think that parents get defensive, because when somebody mentions how's their diet, automatically they're like... Because all of us know our kid probably should not eat a box of Cheetos when they get home from a bag mm-hmm. of Cheetos. I don't even know what Cheetos come in. <laughs> That's how good of a parent I am. I don't even know. Like, what's a Cheeto? Well, Are they, like, spicy sometimes? You know, I'm totally joking. I know about Cheetos. Well, but even the fat-free whole wheat Cheetos. 
They ain't healthy people. <laughs> well, I just posted that on our Instagram. I found, I was walking through the health aisle of our grocery store, and they have like a specific health aisle. Our home. grocery store? Yeah. How could <laughs> they? I don't know why you grocery store. <laughs> and there like was that. a bag of Cheetos that was like simply organic Cheetos, and it's like made with no artificial flavors or coloring. But you look on the back, and there's like 30 ingredients in there. And you can't pronounce half of them. None so of them like, are not How is this artificial. Not artificial? Like, Robo-flavin? Like, yeah. <laughs> Maladextrin is sugar. Yeah. So I'm like, how is... And my students and I watched a video on how white, just regular white table sugar is processed. And if you ever watch that video on YouTube, just look up how white table sugar is processed. You will never want to eat it again. It's well, and disgusting. it's got about 45 different names of what it is and stuff. And we have a whole episode on healthy. We'll, we'll tag we it in the... We should do a whole episode on sugar. Oh, my gosh. How many times do we say, like, that's a we whole, should do our whole We should do our whole lives on sugar. But I wish, yeah, I wish as a teenager people were more, like, worried about who you are as a person and your your mental health and who you are as a person is part of being healthy mm-hmm. and loving yourself and knowing who you are and caring about that person in the mirror and like when I, this is kind of a not romantic story but when I was dating my husband he was like <laughs> I love him but he, he said you know when I started dating you I I didn't care about looks at all and I was like <laughs> what why would you say that like am I ugly like and he was like, he's like, no, no, no. I mean, when I was looking for a woman that I would put potentially spend the rest of my life with, I knew she'd get old and ugly someday. Or I don't know if he said ugly. I know he didn't, or I would have run him over with my car that day. But he said, she's going to get old and wrinkly someday. So I want her to yeah. have a beautiful soul. And then I was like, still kind of like, so are you saying I'm only a beautiful soul? And You have like, inner beauty. I was like, that's nice. And he's like, but I was lucky I got both. And I was like, Whew. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But he was saying a very sweet thing. And a man who's going to love you, 16-year-old self. Yes. A man who's going to... That's the thing. He's a man, first of all. M-A-N. He's a man who waited till you were a woman, an adult woman. Not a woman. I spelled woman wrong one time 18 years ago. And I, (laughs) mom still calls me a wee-mon because I spelled spelled it wrong. Hey, (laughs) wee-mon. But what I'm saying, girls, if you're 16 and you're dating a 20-year-old, ask yourself why a 20-year-old has to date a 16-year-old. Yes, that's what I hear all the time. He's so mature. I just love him. And oh, yeah. Like, but um, a 20-year-old girl wouldn't date him, so what does that tell you? Mm-hmm. Well, and then they try to say the thing like, well, they told me that I'm more mature than other 16-year-olds, and they've never met somebody so mature for my age. And honey, I'm sorry, but you are 16. Yeah. Well, and so when I say a man who's going to love you for who you really are is like he's going to find you attractive because you're an attractive person on the inside. Mm -hmm. And so I wish in my teenage years I focused less on what I looked like and more of who I was Mm -hmm. because I could have been developing this like I mean, I was developing into a beautiful person inside and out, but I wish I wouldn't have had to like have so much pain in that area. Yeah. Well, and I think about too just the restrictiveness and then the binging and the being embarrassed to eat in front of my friends and then you know how that just scaffolded into all these bad relationship with food you know and followed me into my college years and then into my marriage and then you know it was just if I could have dealt with that at 16 
and not been told this food is bad, this food is good, this food, but been told this is what this food does to your body. This is what this food does to your body. How do you feel when you eat this food, but without any shame? I love how your, your daughter talks about food. She said, she said, I can't eat that because it makes my tummy hurt. She mm-hmm. knows, and, and she's like doing a gluten-free thing right now. And she asks if everything has gluten in it. And sometimes she says, does this have glue in it? Yeah. And I was like, do you mean gluten? (laughs) Well, it's so cute. We were at the store yesterday, and she was looking at different stuff, and I'd be like, sorry, honey, this has gluten in it. And we were trying to find some gluten-free snacks, but then I'd be like, and she'd be like, well, this has no glue in it, but this has sugar in it. And then like, so I know that's the annoying thing is if it has, if it's gluten-free, but then it also has sugar. And so we also avoid sugar. So then it was so funny because we're walking through the store and she has her little snacks and she like runs into these little old ladies and she's like, oh, these are my snacks my mom got me um, and they don't have any glue in them. <laughs> they're like, the ladies are like, oh, it, that's so great. And I said, she means gluten. And then they're like, oh, like, it's like back in my day, we just had glue in our food. <laughs> yeah. But even, okay, how our grandparents, maybe even our great grandparents ate was just a whole food natural from scratch diet. Yeah. Like, my husband did not know that potatoes came in a box until he was in college. <laughs> like, are these soap sets? Yeah, he thought they were, like, dishwasher detergent. The, like, box of, like, instant mashed potatoes. And they're like, no, those are potatoes. And he, like, would not believe that they turned into potatoes until someone showed him. Like, he literally couldn't believe it. Which they do pretty much just taste like watery fluff. That's like, true. if you make real mashed potatoes... You're like, how did I like the box stuff? Yeah. I think I just liked but, butter, for being perfectly honest. And so. so, yeah. And also, the food pressure around teenagers is heavy, too. Like, we would go every day in the summer to the local gas station and get Jones Soda and Popsicles. Like, Jones Soda, ba- it, like, hurts my teeth to think about Jones Soda now. And we loved it. We yeah. drank them all because we get our babysitting money. Well, even the money it costs, we spent so much money to eat that way. And then also just like, like, this is another thing I would tell my 16-year-old self, is save some dang money. Mm-hmm. Okay? Like, I made a lot of money babysitting. Me too. And, and like, I had zero dollars when I turned 18. Like, what did I do with it? Now I think about it. Like, yes, we you had to pay. bought Joan's Soda. <laughs> that is what you did We had it. to pay for our cell phone. I paid for my voice lessons. Okay, you guys, but cell phones back then were not expensive. Like, to buy the thing was, like, 50 bucks. Well, yeah. Well, and then it was, like, $10 a month for a cell phone. Plan. And I think we helped pay for our car payment. But not when I was 13. I was just, like, babysitting. Oh, that's from, true. Like, I used to make, like, $100 a week babysitting at, like, 13. Yeah, and all that money, some of it, ugh, this is painful. <laughs> and when I told my husband, he was, like... Okay, my husband is like the opposite of me. He worked every summer and saved money for college and didn't spend any money wow. for like four years. When did he start that? I don't know. Rachel's eating my keto treat right now. Speaking of. <laughs> I mean, she tested it for the bake sale. I hope it's uh, I hope it's up to muster. But um, yeah, I didn't save anything. And I literally, I told him, I was like, I literally lost money out of my pocket (laughs) like so much money like my mom kept being like get a wallet and I'm like I know I'm not gonna lose money and then I lost it in your pocket and it would literally fall out of my pocket probably because I had so many holes in my jeans but 
But I would just lose like $5 here and $5 here. But one time I lost a $100 bill and it hit me like, I literally just am a money loser. Like, I lose a lot of money. I didn't like lose it on the races. Like, I literally <laughs> lost it. Oh, and then that one summer, you ran your cell phone over with your tractor. Oh. It okay. fell out of your pocket. That is the most redneck sentence you've ever said. <laughs> It wasn't a tractor. It, it was, was a, a tractor. It was a lawnmower. Well, it's like a riding lawnmower. It's, it's like not a, a tra- It's not like a John Deere. It's like a tractor. Yeah, I was mowing the lawn, and I just got my brand new pink flip phone, and I was so excited about it. This thing was like $50, brand new, and I was so excited. I could T9 this one text. You could take pictures, too. Okay, the pictures, you couldn't even tell they were human beings. <laughs> like, really really grainy you'd be like is that your cat like no that's my that's me (laughs) but um it fell out of my pocket and then hit the like in such a way that it fell forward because if it had fallen behind i could have stopped and i I don't even know it bounced off of the like the the guard that has the the blades and sent it forward so that (laughs) so Rachel is literally like can't breathe. I don't know why I think that story is so funny. Because you remember what my face was when I brought it in the house. You were like, this is my last bit of communication to the outside world. That's literally what you said. And I had just And you were holding the broken pieces in your hand. It was just so dramatic. And Rachel's laughing and I'm literally crying and dad is trying not to laugh and he's like And also angry because he's like, Oh, this is a brand new phone. I think before I got my first iPhone, I went through like thirteen ebay phones that was how i would get new phones but dad you know what Ooh, yeah me? i forgot that is how you would get new phones when i worked at the group home and one of the kids threw my phone across the room and it shattered yeah they got me a new phone off of ebay but you guys realize these phones were like garbage like when they were brand new like yeah. they were compared to i mean back then they were awesome but what you have now you don't like even know. 0. 0.025 pixels on your yeah, camera. Yeah, you don't, and you could, like, save three pictures on the memory of your camera. You don't even. And you couldn't, could you even send pictures in a text at that point? No, you could, like, get on the internet on this really, like, ghetto internet thing that costs, like, $10 a minute, and it would, like, Remember the, like, black and white internet on those old, old phones? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. It was so expensive, and Mom would kill us if we even accidentally pressed. Oh, I accidentally got on it one time. Ooh, I got in so much trouble. But you know what Dad told me when I brought in my broken phone? He said, as you get older, your mistakes become, like, you don't get in trouble. Like, you don't get ground, like, you don't get, like, grounded or sent to your room. They just cost you more money. So now as a 30-year-old, I'm like, oh, yeah, I get a speeding ticket. I don't get, like, I don't get sent to jail, but I have to spend money, and it's a pain in the bottom. Yeah. I'm just saying pain in the bottom because your daughter <laughs> corrects me if I say pain in the butt. Yeah. <laughs> when, we, when I go back and listen to this, I usually listen to it in the morning, like, while I'm getting ready to our podcast, and Ariana will hear it. Oh, no, not it's a butt. <laughs> She's always calling me out. (laughs) She's like, oh, she cracks me up. But, yeah, I don't know. Money is a hard thing. I wish, you know, I I love Dave Ramsey. I'll put it in the show notes. But there is a thing called Smart Money, Smart Kids, and you can start them when they're really young. And they have a lot of really good programs for teens with money. And that's the other thing Rachel was saying, how teens start revolutions. Teens start businesses. If we want to start a business as an adult, it's terrifying for us. Like, 
we have all these hangups where people buy it. Teens don't care. They just go to your house and say, can I mow your lawn? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they don't think, they don't think, oh, are they going to hate me? Are they going to, they just do it because they're teenagers. They have energy and they just want some money. Yeah. Well, and babysitting, like we made a lot of money babysitting. Yeah. Like, and back, looking back, I'm like, why did they trust us to babysit? But <laughs> thank you. We had to learn on somebody's kids. <laughs> Well, but we were fun babysitters. We were well, good We had almost like our own little babysitter club. I think we had like eight kids that the two of us would consistently watch at my parents' house. And they had like a pool and a trampoline. And now thinking back at like, oh, I would be stressed out with Natalie and I and eight kids in a pool and a trampoline. But when you're a teenager, you're like, energy's up. And we were very safe babysitters. We, ha- we took those classes. The other thing that I realized that teenagers could use today, especially if you have a daughter who's like, I want to get them into babysitting, is like, um, just like teaching them, like, when you go to babysit at someone's house, do the dishes. Mm-hmm. They're always going to tell you not to do it. But do it. Just do the dishes. And mm-hmm. that's what we did. We, we always cleaned. I always wanted it to be cleaner when the parents got back. And they always brought us back because like, you know, because the kids had fun with us, and, you know. Well, and here's, I think, the other thing is a lot of teenagers are tempted to be on their phones when they're babysitting. Mm-hmm. And that's just, and I think phones in just general, I think that's just something you want to discourage, because are you really paying attention? We didn't have our phones to distract us. That's true. When we, we just were wanted teenagers. to have fun with the kids. But now, it's like, you feel like you have to be so entertained. And we would do silly things, like... Taylor Swift dance parties and mm-hmm. wait, I would make up stories and draw was pictures. Taylor Swift with the a kids. thing back then? I was more in college. I had a little girl that I used to babysit that loved. Yeah, I'm like thinking country, but I don't. I thought she was like. I had like a whole monopoly on the neighborhood in college. Which Actually, one of the parents got mad at us as teenagers. She was like, "Our kid wants to babysit, and your kids take all the good babysitting." It's like, well. <laughs> you know, and if I could have saved 10 of those dollars for college, I wouldn't be still paying my student loans back, <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, but yeah, you are smart. You can start your own business. Yeah, and even with the, like, kind of going back to the, the depression thing. You don't have thing, to pay taxes. That's true. You just go and have fun and make money and save it for college. But, um. Or something else you want to do. Yeah. But the back to the depression thing, like, and being on your phone all the time. Uh, I when parents would come to me in um, high school and they'd be like, "Yeah, my kid's suffering with depression and blah blah blah," I'd be like, "Have your kid serve someone," mm-hmm. because we, when you're serving someone else, you can't be selfish. Yeah. And so, like, yeah, they have energy for making money, and if they have a skill, like, that's the other thing. It's like a kid mowing my lawn. I don't expect him to do it like. A professional landscaper mm-hmm. you know actually these kids the other day they must have been middle school but they were just going around the neighborhood with their dad's lawnmower and our grass was really long but like my husband is like against paying anyone to do anything he could do so <laughs> they came and they came to the door and they're like hey can we mow your lawn and he's like oh no thank you like you know your grass is really tall the kids said that <laughs> he's like oh that's okay I'm gonna do it tomorrow and so the other kid took it like angrily and mowed like one strip of our lawn like in a <laughs> so, there was like one strip and I was like oh my gosh such a middle school kid thing to do <laughs> yeah they weren't high schoolers they were definitely middle schoolers but that's what I love about Idaho is like our neighbors are always selling lemonade they're always selling like eggs they're always selling yeah they're little entrepreneurs because they want and when she wants something her parents make her save the money and buy it herself and she bought her own incubator and 
and her own eggs, and she took care of all these little babies and hatched oh, them. Yeah. And but like it's the same with making money as serving other people. Yeah, we used to do a lot of projects like that. Do you remember we had this lady in our church who had MS, and she loved her gardens. Her gardens just brought her so much joy. So one day, all the teenagers went out, laid down sod, weeded her garden, like set it up in a way that it would be easier for her to get around. Do you remember that? I did, and we had so much fun. We, we played music. so much fun. We ate ice cream sandwiches. Yeah. <laughs> Back to our food issues. <laughs> we had so much fun eating ice cream sandwiches. But we sprayed each other with the hose. Like, yeah, it was just, so much fun. And she probably could have had better quality work done <laughs> yeah. if she had paid someone <laughs> yeah. but like that was something our youth group we just did we um our youth pastor was really good about making sure we had we were serving people because there was another house that remember there was another house that we cleaned and oh. it was disgusting but the person was older and they couldn't they couldn't keep oh, sorry. up and that sounded really rude it was disgusting no but it was really it was but like rachel's a, the compassion now we switch now i'm <laughs> compassionate and rachel's rude <laughs> kidding <laughs> well yeah it was somebody who couldn't take care of their house at all like and I think they were able to get that lady help too like she should have been living on her own I don't think I don't know that was an adult as a teenager like and the teenager was like hey person's just a bad housekeeper <laughs> but we literally scrubbed the floorboards mm -hmm. of because that we had energy we had time there's so many things that we look at teenagers as being like a negative thing but like you can turn it on its head if your kid is depressed Get them to work. Mm -hmm. Either making money, you can't, like, you feel good about yourself when you make money or serve. Like, that's what mm -hmm. I love about our church. We, we, like, have a coffee shop and we have, like, children's ministry. Of course, they're not going to put, like, a 12 year old in charge of the babies, but, like, yeah. they usually have an adult and then they, like, kind of mentor the teenage mm -hmm. helper and they're the person who, like, does all the running around because they have the energy. Well, even the hospitality team. So there's, kids who set up all like the water stations and the just everything like they, there's a place for everyone to serve and they're learning that at a super young age yeah and it, that's the thing Rachel talked about earlier is you are a teenager is not just like you have to survive this season and then you can serve the Lord it's like no use this time to learn that's what I wish I I am loved college but I wish and I loved some of high school. I was very smart, and I should have had better grades. But I was so smart in high school. But I'm just if I could go back to high school now, I'd be so smart. No, <laughs> I actually have like these recurring dreams where I have to go back to high school, and I'm terrified. Oh, that's too it's bad. so scary. Like I'm like I forgot to do a class or something, so I have to go back and take it, and everyone makes fun of me for being. That's third. like a real like psychological thing. I I was hearing that on the radio the other day. If you feel like you have to go back and take a class, then there's something else going on. <laughs> okay, I need to look that up after this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Everyone, tell me what my psychological issue my psychological issues are. That you have to go back to high school. One well, part of it was I was a high school teacher, so I'm like literally in a high school classroom every day and. You're like, like I'm only up. on the honor roll. What'd you say when you're like head of the honor roll? I, yeah, I was never in the actual honor roll in high school. I was, <laughs> I, I became the advisor for the honor roll because uh, by default, I think. And then they're like, what was your experience in high school? And I was like, uh, nah, I'm honor roll, but not honor roll. <laughs> A different, you know, I was in the Spanish club. Yeah. And the Filipino Club. And SCCLA, Family Career Community Leaders of America. And I was the president of the ASB. 
I was in a lot of clubs. I, I cared way more. I was CCLA, too. You were. I was. I was co-president. That was the first year they ever had co-president because my friend and I both wanted to be president, but we didn't want to fight each other. So we went to, like, the advisor. We're like, can we just be co-presidents and just split all the tasks? And she was like, if you get voted in and they vote that in. And we were, and we were great presidents. Yeah, I loved it that year. We had so much fun at state. Yeah. <laughs> and then the next year, me and my best friend became co-presidents. <laughs> I did not have time to do it because she was basically the president. I was the president of the whole school, and I was doing way too much social stuff. But that's the thing is, like, I was such a social person, but I wish I would have spent a little bit more time on my academics. I will tell my 16-year-old self that, too, that you probably should have done your math homework. (laughs) And you wouldn't have failed math six times in college. Yeah, that's what's wrong with the American public school system is math. Just kidding. There's a lot wrong. But anyways, no, we just, yeah. And we had, like, good adolescent experiences, but we also struggled with what a lot of kids struggle with today, and it just breaks my heart to see teenagers. And But there is a way. I I would tell my the moms that would come, and they'd be just so, just so sad about their kids. Like, what did I – I failed them. What did I do? And I was like, first of all, you can't think that there's no hope, mm-hmm. especially for a 16-year-old. Like, yeah. they have the whole rest of their life. And the parents would come and be like, I don't think I can ever, I've screwed them up beyond the point of fixing. And it's like, if you think you're so powerful, you can like screw up a person to the point till they're 16. You look at adults who are like, oh yeah, I had the worst childhood. I was abused. I had this and this happened. And now I'm, you know, a CEO of my own company and I help get women out of trafficking or whatever. You hear these stories all the time. And so don't think that you, like, just having a depressed teenager means that you can't save your kid, you know? Yeah. Well, even the person who runs, there's a corporation in Spokane called Breakthrough, and it's a boys' home with kids who have severe behavioral problems, and he was one of those kids living in a group home, aged out of the foster care system. And now he runs these group homes, and he, he'll tell you, he doesn't do it for the money. He spends a lot of money on those kids above and beyond that the state won't provide, you know, because the state is, doesn't have enough funds to take care of our kids, and that's a whole other thing. But I remember one thing that was really special is hearing his story about how he decided, I was dealt horrible cards, but I'm not going to let that be my life. And yeah. just, it's so cool, yeah. Like, yeah, 16, it feels like your whole life at 16. It does. And this is like kind of bringing it all back together is that God works all things together for good. Yeah. Because we didn't, I mean, this was kind of lighthearted. We did talk about, it was weird, we talked about high stuff and low stuff because that is teenagehood, right? Mm-hmm. You're laughing and the next minute you're crying. And um, that like no matter what's been done to you or what you've done to other people. Yeah. Because let's be real. I did some pretty horrible things to in my teenagers and even my young adult mm-hmm. but I have I don't have to live and be that person anymore yeah and like God works all things together for good for those who are, are called according to his purpose and like we get to leave those burdens at the cross and we get to grow up we don't mm-hmm. have to stay spiritual babies yeah we don't have to stay spiritual teenagers there are really good things the church needs spiritual teenagers they have tons of energy Mm-hmm. But someday we want them to grow up and leave our basements and go be <laughs> successful, right? And, um, you know, I teenagehood doesn't have to be this horrible d- depression, seeking, seeking 
what's the word I'm looking for? Seeking inclusion. Seeking. Oh, seeking wholeness. Yeah, in who are you gonna find wholeness in? Yeah, it doesn't have to be this like high to high. I think that's a lot of teenagers too, is they they do a lot of like binging on social media or whatever, whatever it's food, drugs, alcohol. We haven't even talked about a lot of these substance abuse things, which I do feel like there's more pressure for that nowadays than it used to be. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, so, and in the pandemic world, it's just crazy what we're dealing with. But whatever, you don't have to chase the high to high to high. You can have fulfillment, you can have joy, you can have peace, and you can be 16 and have all those things. Yeah. You can live a fulfilling life now. Yeah. Hmm. And God has a future for you, and you have to show up for that future. Mm-hmm. And uh, life is good. Life is hard. You know. And you are enough. Yeah. You were not an accident. You were put on this earth for a purpose and a reason. So, 16-year-old self, I love you. You are amazing. <laughs> I'm going to cry. I'm so proud of all the things that you went through and, like, became stronger from. And 16-year-old Natalie, I'm so glad that I don't dress like you anymore. <laughs> I don't know. What's the last thing you would say to 16-year-old Rachel? As 16-year-old Rachel, just keep that heart of love you know, like hold on to that love you have for people and love you have for that and have and love yourself with that same kind of love you extend to others. Oh, that's good. Well, teenagers, you guys are amazing. You're created by God with a purpose, for a purpose. Like, you matter. God's going to work all the things that have happened to you for good. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, we believe in you. Parents of teenagers... Don't get some up. help. Yeah. <laughs> it takes a village, but also don't give up on your team. Don't give up praying, especially. That's so good. Well, thanks for listening.